The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. After Jesus was baptized, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Let the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Y'all made it through the marathon chanting of the great litany and you're still here? And if you're like, oh my God, that was the worst thing ever? You're not going to hear it again until next Lent. And if you're like, oh my God, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard and I wish we'd do that more often. I'm glad you have been exposed to something different. You're still not going to hear it until next year. Um, but it's good sometimes to get out of our comfort zone a little bit and to be stretched. And to some extent, that is what Lent is about. Um, Eleven years ago, my friend Jules was getting married and um, I was one of his groomsmen, and um, he asked all of us to, to get black suits, um, and then he gave us skinny black ties so we looked like the Blues Brothers, <laughs> and um, I didn't have the $220 to go and rent a black suit that I needed, so I was looking online, and I went to overstock.com, and there was a nice black suit for $39.99. And I read all the reviews. I'm like, this will last at least one night of dancing. And uh, ordered uh, a black suit from Overstock.com. And it came and it arrived on Friday before the wedding. And I put on the suit coat and it fit oh, just like a glove. It was nice. And then I pulled up the pants. And there was about this much extra in the pants, and I, 
went immediately back to growing up. I, um, my dad would always hem my pants, and he would sew on all the patches for scouts. I'm like, I got this. I've sewed on lots of buttons. So I laid my pants out on the bed, and I started to like fold them and try to figure this out. This 11 years ago might have been like before we YouTubed everything. And uh, I started kind of pinning them and trying to figure out if I could make a cuff. I started sewing. I got real excited. I pulled my pants on, and then they just fell down into this big old bunch where it looked like I was wearing Ugg boots. And so I called in Ann, thinking she might know what to do, and I heard a roar of laughter that I don't think I have heard since. She didn't know what to do. Well, she knew that I was out of my league. Um, so we called my friend Jennifer, whose mom had sewed a bunch of clothes. Jennifer's like, and so Margaret's like, yep, come on over. Put the pants on. She laughed harder than Ann did. <laughs> She's like, all right, I will fix these for you, John. I'll have them ready before the wedding if you promise to never try to hem your clothes again. <laughs> I'm proud to say that I showed up at the wedding and nobody but Ann and Margaret and then all of Jennifer's <laughs> friends knew that I had <laughs> had such a fit with these pants. Now, I say all that because I never noticed it until I read the Old Testament lesson again. Adam and Eve, apparently they're the first people to exist on this earth, or at least the, as the story says. And they eat of the fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, and then they know that they're naked, and they just go and sew loincloths. It has to be the biggest miracle in all of Scripture. How do they know how to do that? I don't think it was very easy. In, in, in fact, it must have been a ton of work to cover up all of those things that they didn't want other people to see. I mean, I even had sewed on a thousand buttons. I mean, how much effort did it take to create, to create something that others couldn't see? I am... Um, one of the most influential sermons that I have heard was um, by Dan Matthews Jr. several years ago about this scripture. And he was talking about, you know, one kind of trying to break our understanding of what truth is, saying, look, this story is true. It's not about the origin of humankind. It is about how we are designed. And he talked about if you took any child that has ever been born in this world— and you put them in a room with every single, single toy that has ever been made. Imagine that. A child with every single toy that's ever been made. Oh, and there's something in that closet over there that you can't have. Where is that child going to spend their entire life trying to get to? I mean, y'all know the answer. Now, what that is saying is that there is something within us, with all of us, that is broken. We are not satisfied with what we have. And so that leads to sin and brokenness. Now, I don't 
mean to, to talk about original sin in that way. I think that I buy the story that God creates humanity and says that God is, that God is pleased and people are good. There is a blessing there. We are good, but we are also broken. We are also sinful and we need redemption or hope or reconciliation. All of us want to know what's in that closet. And sometimes we do things that hurt others so that we can find out. Pride, ego, that litany of things that we professed this morning. What I think happens is that we spend so much effort trying to cover that stuff up. All the energy that goes into sewing a cover or just trying to, to put a better face on so that people don't know that we do not have it together. And so Lent comes. And the next five Sundays, you will not begin with a litany, but you will begin with a confession. You'll begin kneeling and confessing that you have sinned, that I have sinned, and asking for God's absolution. The purpose of doing that at the very beginning is just to name it. It's to uncover. It is to uncover who we are. But in doing that, in uncovering who we are, we get down to the original people that God has created. People that are blessed by God, but also in need of hope and reconciliation and forgiveness. And that is okay. My hope for you this Lent is to begin to do that self-examination. It's okay to not have it together. But what do you need to address? What are the things that you need to repent of? You can make an appointment with one of the clergy to confess. That's one of the rites within our prayer book of reconciliation. What are the things that you need to be honest about? Who are the people that you need to ask forgiveness from? It's scary work to uncover ourselves, but in doing that, we're freed. We are freed to see the power of the resurrection in our own lives. By uncovering ourselves, we are freed to be the people that God has created. So do that self-examination. Look inwardly. And may that work bring you great hope and joy in life. Amen. <laughs>